Hi, and welcome back to The Goodish Show. Um, so this episode, we're talking to Tom Norman. Um, he is the founder and CEO of Kickstart My Community, a community expert, sort of say. Um, and welcome to the show. Welcome to The Goodish Show, the show on SaaS marketing, from actionable tips and tricks to insightful interviews with industry leaders. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, and thank you, Tom, for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good. Where are you located right now? Right now, I'm in Sicily, but um, I'm originally from the UK. I spent several years living in Slovenia, so a bit of a nomad, I guess. Yeah, definitely. A digital nomad of the common of today's world. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, I think we're all really excited to just talk about brand communities, about how we need to harvest um, like a good atmosphere um, within your brand, um, how to invite people to share your values. Um, and so, yeah, um, let's start with kind of your entrepreneurship journey. Um, how did you get started um, and why did you get interested in building communities? Sure. So I guess my entrepreneurial journey started probably early 20s, um, if not before. Um, you know, basically, I was trying to become successful and I had no idea what I wanted to do after school. Uh, you know, I just wanted to become successful. And so I had lots of projects, everything from I had crazy ideas to start like a pizza business um, to other random ideas about, you know, uh, creating a a social network based around goal setting. So all these crazy ideas along the way. Uh, one of my first proper uh, ventures, I guess, was I traveled to the, uh, Europe uh, on a low budget and wrote a book about travel. Um, and that was my first proper thing, which I finally finished and finally published. Um, but it also taught me I published the book. Uh, it, not many people bought it. I think my grandma bought eight copies. We probably sold about 50 copies in total. So it wasn't a big success, let's say. Um, and after that, I was kind of left kind of trying to figure out what to do next. Um, so yeah, fast forward some some years. Uh, I've had experience with a few different startups, um, everything from like there was an AI startup I was involved with for a while. Um, I was involved with a car insurance startup, which I currently use there. Um, I currently do some of the community management for them. Um, and kind of, um, I was involved with lots of things to do with people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for somebody who didn't know what they wanted to do, just exploring and just seeing where it took me. I, looking back, I started to realize that people were the element which drew everything together. Like it's always about people, always about connecting people, finding ways to bring them together. Um, and it really was in retrospect, and it was about last year that I realized, wow, I kind of love people, if you like. I love kind of bringing people together. Um, and that's where I realized that community is kind of the thing I've been doing for the last five years without no, without knowing I was doing it. It just it just was a core yeah. part of me, which which existed. And that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now is community building as a, as a trade. Amazing. Um, and so where did you, um, at what point did you start building your brand, kickstart your community? So this kind of just evolved very uh, naturally. Um, before I, before I really kicked off with kickstart your community, um, I was, I had a project called how to be human. And that was basically me traveling around Europe, uh, interviewing complete strangers from all over the world. Um, and also hosting different events, uh, which were just discussions about love or fear or anger or jealousy, all these very human emotions. And um, it was really from that, from this experience of bringing people together, from this experience of uh, connecting people, that I started to, to connect the dots 
um, of what people, the, the fact that we need to belong. Like it, as humans, especially right now, we don't necessarily belong to much, at least in the same way as we perhaps did in the past. We might belong to our church in the past or belong to clubs or things like that. We don't necessarily have the sense of belonging as much anymore. So I found myself really passionate about the idea of belonging. Um, and yeah, just I started getting experiences with How To Be Human and other brands and companies about building spaces online and in person where you can belong. And that was kind of where Kickstart Your Community evolved, I guess, where it started. Amazing. Um, and so where where do you start a community? Where, if we just get right into it, um, what would be like the first steps that a brand should take a look at when striving to have like a healthy community? I mean, the, the biggest uh, question you need to ask yourself at the very start is why? You know, what is the point of creating this community? It's a very, right now it's a big buzzword. Like everyone's like, oh, you, you kind of need a community for your brand without necessarily stopping and asking why. Um, and there could be there could be lots of answers. Um, you know, for example, uh, I know a lot of startups benefit from having like a product-focused community where you can kind of build a, a group of super users and you can bring them together and they can be the first ones to test your products and share ideas and give feedback. And that's a really valuable community for startups, for example. Um, other, you know, for example, um, something like uh, the the, uh, the running app. Um, what's the famous running app? Strava. That's like a completely different type of community. They're using it as part of the product itself. You know, running is something where you need the motivation. You need to kind of goals and measurements and things like that. And their community aspect of the app helps you to connect with other runners, helps you to stay accountable. And that's where a community exists for another reason. It's like a product reason, like um, inbuilt within the product. I mean, there's lots of other ways you could use it. Um, for example, um, also just uh, just retention and acquisition. Um, if you can kind of build a better experience, a more personal experience with your users, then uh, they often more like to build a better relationship with your brand, which makes it way more difficult for competitors to actually kind of replace you or uh, to take over you. Um, and the, the last way, which is quite common to use community for is like advocacy, like finding your best users and giving a way to really connect with them uh, personally. And as a result, they're more likely to share about your brand and make more of a noise about your brand. So these are some of the, the reasons why you might start. And the question you should ask yourself is what kind of goal are we trying to achieve here? Um, and it is possible that community can achieve more than one goal, but it's definitely best to stay really focused with one in the start um, and just take it from there, I guess. Um, so once you've, once you've done that, once you've figured out why, um, for your the business why, it's important to find the community why too. So for example, if we take a lot of my experiences right now are to do with product communities. So let's take the example of a product community. The, the, uh, the purpose of it from a brand's perspective is very obvious. I want a group of users to give me regular feedback, ideas and things about how we can improve the brand and kind of uh, you know, make decisions faster. That's really obvious why it's good for the brand. So again, it's, it's really important to ask, why is it good for the users too? And in yeah. this case, uh, some of the best things as a user you get is exclusivity. You feel like, wow, I'm part of something. I'm, I'm part of a bigger picture here. And so it's really important that, that the brand paints the bigger picture. Like, this is where we're going. This is why. And they're the first to hear about it. So they really feel like a, a, a part of the team almost of the, of the brand. Um, also, um, you know, a lot of these users, because they're such early, early adopters and early users, they can actually make a real impact on the way the brand's going. You know, if they give particular feedback, it could really make a huge impact on where it's going. So that's another really important aspect for the user itself is, you know, why um, a, a big why for the user is I, I I kind of belong to this brand. I'm an exclusive team member and I have some autonomy in where the brand's going. So that's two examples I'd use there. Yeah, um, it's it's a, it, it's really good. It's really powerful when um, 
also like you know, the people within your community feel like pioneers and co-creators of your product, right? Like we're yeah. together, you're striving towards the future of SaaS or the future of this and that. Um, so it's, it's really valuable. Um, but how do you actually engage them? How do you make sure that, um, they know that they, their feedback is valuable? Um, how do you make sure that they respond to maybe a query that you ask within the group or how do you do that? So it's, it's, uh, it's a very big question, first of all, um, and you could break it down into lots of parts. Um, one, one important thing is essentially, um, it depends where you start too. So depending on the platform itself, many people use like Facebook or perhaps LinkedIn and LinkedIn groups or things like that. Yeah. Good places to start. You know, they're often free to use, um, but there are limitations to them. So let's let's say we start there. Um, in the beginning, um, it's going to be really important that as the community manager or as the business that you're going to be very highly invested. It's going to take a lot of your time, a lot of your energy, um, and essentially you're, you're making people feel comfortable in your community and making them realize that they get what they came for. And for some communities, that's the exclusivity. For some of them, it might be connection itself. For others, it might be information. But it's really important that the people coming to the community get what they came for. Um, and then just happens to kind of, you know, you can do things uh, which help people to connect too. So you might see it, it's, a it's getting a little bit old sometimes, but you might see it that in certain communities, you do this big welcome post and say, oh, welcome, Sander and Bob and Joe. Tell us why you're here, get connected. So things like this um, and other kind of engagement activities can help kind of start conversation going. Um, but it definitely is a lot of work for the, for the founder, for the community manager in the beginning. But you know, if you do it well enough, the conversations start to happen on their own too. Like mm -hmm. you start to, usually if it's going well, you start to see a few leaders of the community from, from within the community themselves. You, you some kind of advocates, some really brand fans, and they start to kind of share their own voices and answer their own questions. And it's really beautiful when you start seeing that, when it's not just you initiating things anymore, but your community themselves are starting to take on a bit of ownership and like help other people out and start conversations. So definitely starts very manually. Um, it's really important to yeah give them uh, to to kind of answer their reason why they're there, um, and essentially just evolve as well. You, a lot of us would go into a community with a mindset of like this is how it's going to be, but you know a community is essentially a bunch of people, and people are complicated and ever changing and ever evolving. So if you keep your community too static then it's going to kind of not grow and it's going to essentially die, right? So it's got to keep evolving, keep learning, and keep that dialogue with the community as you go. And I think these are the, the key points I've mentioned there. And how broad or narrow would you go with your community, right? Because um, you obviously don't want to um, focus perhaps like directly on your product. You might want to find like a broader value that brings everyone together. So how broad or narrow should you go when, when starting a brand community? It really, again, it really depends uh, on the on the brand itself. Um, you're right. Some brands, for example, let's say you are a, I don't know, let's say you're a fitness app uh, and actually you could start, you could take it one of two ways, right? You could, you could create like a, just a fitness community where you're just discussing fitness stuff and your app happens to be part of the conversation there. Uh, but actually it's just a community around fitness in general, right? Or you could be really specific and you could actually make that this, this fitness community is actually just a fitness community for moms who happen to uh, do fitness in their spare time. And mm -hmm. actually you're probably gonna find that the, the more specific you are, it might be a smaller possible user base, but these guys are really engaged. Because you know, like I said before, one of the most important things is that you realize, aha, I'm in the right place. 
And so whether you're coming for information, whether you're coming for belonging, whether you're coming for co connection, you need to feel like I'm in the right place. And it's a lot easier to make a niche community feel like they're in the right place than if it's for a really vague community where it could be for everyone, right? So uh, I would uh, urge people to kind of think more niche when they're doing this rather than broad, because it's a lot easier to kind of create for a niche audience than it is for a broad audience. Yeah, and then as well, you are building towards your community, your specific community to your brand that they are so aware of, right? Um, but so what, if this one, what are one of the biggest mistakes that you've noticed with your clients um, when, when people start building, building communities? What's kind of like the main mistakes that people tend to make? One thing I've noticed a lot is people, two, uh, it's in two parts, actually. I mentioned two parts to this. People overthink how, it sounds quite easy. It sounds easy to post a couple of times a week on Facebook and make people and build a community from that. But actually, it's a lot more difficult than, it, than you think. And it takes a lot more persistence than you might think, too. Like, it is a dialogue. And it's not as easy as just putting out content and that's it. It's very much a dialogue, conversation. Things you think are going to really succeed don't succeed. And things which you put out last minute really succeed. So it's really just a huge, complicated dialogue where you have no idea what's happening, really. But um, what I would add to that is one of the things I see again and again is people trying to segment the conversations too quickly. Um, okay. It's really important just in, in the start, put everyone in one place, get the dialogues happening, and then see from there where we can break it off into smaller chats. Um, quite mm -hmm. often we kind of go in with too many ideas, like, oh, we want this part of the community for people to talk about this, and this part for people to talk about this, and this part for people to talk about this. But people don't do that. People are not interested in these kind of things you've thought about. So it's really important just to get the, the conversation started somewhere and then see what kind of com uh, communication happens anyway and build it from there. So that's, that's something I've seen again and again. And you know what happens? Imagine um, if we use a literal example, sometimes, especially with online communities, we get a little bit lost with what it really means. But it's essentially humans gathering. So if we take the offline for a second and imagine like a big hall, right? Um, if, for example, you get invited to some big halls, some big party or event, if you're entered uh, into the hall and you're, you're put off into some little room and nobody else is in there and it's quiet, you feel kind of awkward. You're like, what on earth is going on? This is weird. Whereas if you guys keep gathering in the hall and more people gather in the hall and you kind of start to connect and build people and then you get taken to the room with people you've connected with, that makes way more sense. It's way less awkward and you kind of, uh, yeah, it's just, it makes sense to kind of make sure that the conversation's happening and people have something to, something to do rather than just kind of segmenting them straight away into like the tiny rooms, if that makes sense. Um, so that, that's, I think, the biggest mistake people make is having too many preconceived ideas and not listening enough to what that community actually want. I think that's a really good answer. Um, and what about in terms of like different channels? Um, so I, I, I'm assuming it, uh, the communities behave much differently. Um, Facebook versus LinkedIn, TikTok versus Clubhouse, Instagram. Um, it all all different social medias work a little bit differently. So what are like some of the channels that you really see value? Um, where, where you really see valuable communities arising? Um, and where are some channels maybe that are more appropriate for some other yeah. things per se? Sure. So I mean, first thing I think I'd mention here is uh, just to, to define the difference between a community and an audience. Because um, often, they, often they're used hand in hand, but actually there's a slight difference. So an audience is pretty much where it's one way. You're kind of directing your thoughts and ideas to people and people are listening to them, engaging with them, sharing them, maybe commenting on them, but you know, it's very one way. Whereas a community is much more about a two-way, in fact, more that it's a multi-way conversation. It's between you and them, but also them and each other too. 
So, you know, social media is a good place to start since there are free ways to have these discussions. Um, and you've already mentioned, I think some of the best, let's say social media places to have communities are probably Facebook groups, although there's lots of problems and I don't like them, but you know, Facebook groups are a good place to start. Um, and if you're taking more of a, um, you know, more of a B2B or business perspective, probably LinkedIn groups are also very similar. Um, and both are great places to start, particularly in testing your idea for a community. You know, uh, some of the software can be very expensive, uh, potentially. And therefore, you know, if you invest hundreds of pounds a month in some software, um, but don't have a community yet, it could be a big risk. Because if you can play with it first in like Facebook or LinkedIn, it's a good place to start. But I think at some point, you know, once you've had some growth, once you've tested the idea, um, you want to start thinking about joining other platforms. Um, Slack is a good one for B2B. Um, there's also some limitations there, but a lot of us are already on Slack and therefore having one more Slack thing to check is actually already part of our daily habit. So Slack can be quite good for community, um, a place to host communities. Um, and also things like, um, there's lots of other platforms. One I've had a lot of experience with is called Disciple, which is a, a play platform. They've got an app and a website. Um, and it's it's kind of a, um, it's pretty good platform, a bit like Facebook, but you know, your own bespoke white paper, a white label Facebook, if you like. Um, and you've got other things like Tribe and um, uh, some others, Vanilla Forums, and some others like that kind of come to mind. There's like actual community platforms, which are way more advanced than Facebook or LinkedIn, but a lot more possibility um, and ownership there as well. So would you recommend then uh, perhaps starting it on Facebook because it's such a pl general platform where most of people who use internet actually are, and then slowly transitioning to a more bespoke platform or even an app? Yeah, I, I, this is what I always do um, for two reasons. One, uh, you know, testing the idea first before you start spending money on uh, the platform itself. Um, and secondly, the only thing you've got to be careful of here is, like you say, Facebook is pretty much part of everyday life. You're on there anyway, and you just happen to see a post from a community, and that's why you engage. Yeah. So it's important to realize that once you switch from Facebook to something else, you're going to see a big drop off. Because people don't have the same... Uh, you know, uh, it's not incentive, the same kind of exposure to your posts if they're not on the app already. So it's really important that if you do choose to be on Facebook or LinkedIn, that you have built a habit with your users or you kind of find a way to bring them into the uh, the new platform um, and don't just rely on organic exposure like you might get through Facebook. Okay. I think that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and what about in regards to like the 2020 lockdown, um, all the like the recent pandemic um, turmoil we've been experiencing, has that influenced communities, um, brand communities in general? Have you noticed like a change? Yeah. So for me, again, I'm I'm relatively new officially to the industry. I've been doing it for like four or five years, but officially like the last year and a half or so. Um, and really, I've seen this whole community uh, industry boom. Like it's almost. It feels a bit like where, you know, where perhaps growth hacking was 10 years ago. People are suddenly waking up to the fact that businesses are essentially humans and humans gather. And how can we kind of gather people to benefit the, the people and the business? So I think it's been a real boom in communities. Uh, and I think that happens partly because of the pandemic. And, you know, people are being forced to kind of find their ways to belong, ways to connect online and digitally, not just uh, in person and in cafes. So I think it's, it's had a big impact. And, um, you know, the community in this industry itself, there's so many new books being put out right now about the community industry, some new podcasts being started. Like this, it's a really great time to be kind of in this kind of booming industry, if you like. Um, and what about some of these like new social media that also rose due, due to the, the pandemic, like Club, Clubhouse, TikTok has become really popular. It did exist before, but where do you see like the value of this new new age social media? 
I mean, I think the important thing, again, I think social media, especially TikTok and potentially Clubhouse, it's TikTok especially is very much uh, audience related, right? You're mostly you are directing to your audience and it's one way. So as a community platform, I don't see it as particularly valuable. Um, so I think, you know, humans like to connect and like to like to have conversations. So wherever makes that conversation as easy as possible. Um, and, you know, yeah, whatever makes that conversation and the ability to connect as easy as possible, I think will win in the, in the long run. Um, the reason, you know, the reason we send uh, WhatsApp messages rather than text messages or emails or written messages is because it's easier, it's quicker, it's more direct. So I think anything that makes that experience simpler will be good in the long run uh, for communities. Um, and you mentioned a little bit about like B2B already saying that um, Slack might be like a nice platform um, yeah. for B2B communities. So how would you kind of differentiate the B2C communities versus the B2B ones? And how would you create a, um, like a B2B community? Um, where would you start? Because it is slightly different to a B2C community. Yeah, I think it's really important, again, just to go back to why people are going to be there. So, for example, um, B2B, a lot of B2B people will typically have their own goals or targets that need to hit. So, for example, let's take a community like uh, HubSpot, for example, right? I was listening to a podcast recently, um, and this guy was a previous HubSpot community manager, maybe current, I can't remember, but he was saying, you know, let's say most people using Hub, HubSpot uh, will actually have their own goals to grow a mailing list, to kind of utilize this mailing list to sell things, to kind of create events, to kind of do whatever you might do with this mailing list. But you, you're trying to grow a mailing list and trying to kind of have success for your business. So the great thing about B2B communities is people have set goals or set things they want to achieve. And actually, if your community helps them to achieve that, that's great because it's a really obvious place to kind of be, right? Whereas in some ways, B2C is a little bit more difficult because um goals might be more wishy-washy goals might not be so clear and it might be a more difficult sell um you know if you're trying to achieve a goal and somebody says like yeah it's 12 pounds or 12 euros a month to achieve that goal you're maybe in a business perspective you're a lot more like okay i'll, I'll do that whereas a personal perspective you're like oh is it worth it so i think from that perspective b2b could be slightly easier um however um i think it's really important that with a b2b like community that it's really obvious uh, what value people are going to get. B2C, people might be more willing to be there just for connecting, just for community, just for sharing cat memes or recipes. They might be more up for doing that. Whereas B2B, I think your value has to be front and center. Because, you know, if you're in a work or a business environment, you haven't got much time. You've not got, it's fast paced, it's quick. So you need to make sure that the, the, the community is inherently valuable and obvious. Um, otherwise, people won't be staying around for long. Interesting, yeah. Um, and how do you how you, do you go about measuring your work? Um, your, how do you set your KPIs um, for community building? Uh, again, it, it very much depends on what your initial goal was. So, for example, uh, let's say a product community where the, the, exi the community exists um, to kind of help you to make the product better. Product feedback, getting lots of uh, conversations and ideas about the product. For that, there's two metrics I'd really think about. The first is like an overall community metric, just to see the current health of the community. And something I typically like for this is uh, DAU over MAU, meaning daily active users over monthly active users. Um, obviously, the closer to 100, the better as a percentage, because that means everyone's there every single day of the month. If they're at 100, typically you're looking at much less. But, you know, I like to be the region of 30 at least, because then it feels like you're kind of, you know, making good progress with your community. 
Um, and that's just a good idea of community health. Like, are you growing? Are people using it more and more, less and less, or what? However, you know, that's that's seeing how many conversations are happening and how often people are there. But, you know, that's not enough to see if you're meeting your business goals. So let's say the product community, the other metrics to be measuring here might be things like uh, ideas suggested or uh, it might be um, research calls had or it could be, I don't know, um, meetup events created or things like that. So it's really about what metrics are good for my business goals. So, for example, another community uh, a lot of people host are, for example, um, uh, like uh, support forums, like a forum, like a, you might have a complicated product or even a simple product and your users come together and help each other out and support each other. So that would have very different metrics to the product forum, like rather than kind of ideas suggested, it would be kind of uh, questions answered, how quickly the questions were being answered. Uh, if the same questions were being asked more than once, or if there's a better way you can kind of put those questions so they're easily discoverable. So it's, it's definitely related uh, to the, the goal of the community rather than just uh, one metric fits all, I think. Could you explain to us, like, uh, could you give us like a little like step-by-step -step, um, like guide how, how you would go about um, really reaching out to people? Um, and like imagine, um, like let's give an example of just having literally um, a brand with zero people, you're just starting off a community. Where does one start? Uh, what, what's some of the, the advice that you would give to your clients who are brand new at community building? So this is, again, it depends how closely, because in this case, community is very much linked to customers too, I guess, right? If you're a brand with zero customers, zero community, you've got to start from somewhere just looking for people who are interested in, in it's almost validating if your product's a good idea or not. So I'd probably start in the same place as trying to find customers. And that is essentially have a think about who your customers or community members might be. You know, yeah. what are the, how old are they? Uh, what are they What are they thinking about? What are they struggling with? What do they do? Um, where do they hang out? What are they trying to achieve? Kind of have these marketing personas, if you like. Um, and then look to where these guys are online. Look to where they're already discussing things. Look to what they're already trying to achieve. Um, and just kind of... Again, the key here is figuring out how you're actually going to be helping them. You know, where are they currently and what are they asking for, which isn't being found somewhere else? And let's take the example of, I don't know, there's some really great examples for this are some websites. Uh, I know there was one in the UK many years ago called Mumsnet, which is like a, a website, a forum for mums. And there's another one, I forget the name. But it's like um, it's like a medical website where you can kind of go connect with other people with the same symptoms and problems as you. Now, these are places, these are conversations which needed to happen. And, you know, if you've got this, if you've just been diagnosed with this strange disease, which you've never heard of before, and you've only just discovered it and nobody around you has it, like you're feeling really isolated and alone and broken and whatever it might be. Right. But if you can come online and discuss with other people about who've got the same condition and they're giving you advice and making you feel less uh, less that's weird or, you know, more comfortable with what you've got. That's a, com that's a conversation which needs to happen. And you can't find it anywhere else about this one specific community. And so it's kind of for your brand, your business, it's the same thing. If you've got like a, let's say it's a software SAS brand, let's say it does, I don't know, let's say you are tracking how well, how well your in-person events are going. Yeah. Let's say that you're somehow that works. I don't know. It's just rough stuff in my head then you've got to kind of be going to where people are discussing about in-person events and figure out what conversations aren't happening yet and how can I make them happen? What, you know, where can I serve these people? So um, definitely, yeah, that's, that's my best, biggest advice would be to find a problem which you're solving as a brand 
figuring out where these people are already and figuring out what conversations they're not having and how your place could exist as a place for these conversations to happen. I think that's really good advice. Um, I mean, I think we talked and um, really covered some really interesting topics. Um, are there, do you have any final tips um, up your sleeves that you could you could give to our listeners? I mean, I think the thing I'd say is just remembering why we're all doing this. Um, you know, if you're starting a business, if you're if you're kind of working for a business as a co-founder or something, uh, essentially we're building cool shit and helping people, right? It's all about people at the end of the day. Like we're all humans, we're all here for a short time. So just remembering that human element to business for me is vital. Like it's not about making loads of money and getting hugely successful. It's about helping people to kind of connect and live a better life than they would be if they weren't, you know, part of your business or your brand or whatever it might be. So yeah, my biggest thing and my biggest ask for people is just, yeah, help businesses be more human. Human. That's what a community does. And that could be what all businesses, every, every business can look at what they do and think, how can we kind of help people more with this? How can we be more human and treat our customers more as humans and not just numbers? So I think that's my takeaway, I guess, is just be more human. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Um, we're also going to leave um, a PDF, like an infographic that we've made about building your uh, brand community in 2021 with some useful tips as well. We're going to just add that um, under comments. Um, and if you have any other questions for us, uh, feel free to drop them in the chat um, for the next week or so. We'll continue looking uh, for some some comments uh, if there are, are any to help you um, build your own community. Um, so yeah, thank you, Tom, for coming. Thank you for joining thank us. You. And um, we'll see you on the next Twitter show. Good luck. Bye.